Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, Joe. I am become Joe, co-host of podcast. <laughs> it's uh, just a little bit of a skeleton crew tonight, actually. Our good friend and co-host, Marcus, is whining and dining his wife today at the time of this recording. It is their anniversary. Good for you, buddy. We've decided that we need to send him sexy pics of us so that they can spice up their evening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> debatable uh, whether they'll make it onto the website <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very debatable they'll go into the pay version <laughs> there you go yes it'll be the first pay content on <laughs> shit oh man so with just joe and i today we're going to look over this really actually pretty damn cool comic yeah called elements of light created and written by tyrone selby Artwork by Krishna and Balram Banerjee, a.k.a. the Zong Brothers. <laughs> so, a little about Elements of Light. Tyrone actually got a hold of me via email and let me know about his comic when it was first starting. And the first few pages were up, and it looked, like, really amazing. I mean, the art is insane. Super slick. Yeah. But, unfortunately, it was just a couple, uh, a couple of pages up, and not enough for us to really give it a, a good reasonably length podcast spotlight so we decided 25 yeah yeah the first issue is all the way out actually that's when he got a hold of me emailed me just a few days ago and said hey man the whole first issue is up check it out so uh so we did and we enjoyed it Mm -hmm. it's really damn cool so let me just go ahead and read what tyrone has on the about us page the room is a world far beyond and far different than our own a harsh terrain where the seas foam with leviathans colonized as large oceanic cities where the forests grow wild into the crystalline skies, and the deserts harbor great kingdoms inhabited by vibrant and hostile races of creatures and peoples. Be they horned humans, versed in sciences, powerful maidens endowed with crafting incredible spells, or humanoid jackals with incredible psychic abilities, one element stands firm in their quest to survive against the next race, the laws of magic. Magic can cure the sick, restore crops, or deliver a deadly vengeance to rival sect of peoples, even if it is in the name of a god. All life on Verum, in some shape or form, competes for control of magic. However, the more intelligent species seek to penetrate the veil. The rings of the grand planet kingdom Verum orbits Altus Deity. This mysterious sanctuary is said to be home to the legendary race of gods known as the New. To receive the blessing of these gods is to gain their powers, to reshape the laws of magic and the universe to your will. This story is about an alchemist named Aiden. With big dreams, this scientist's everyday life begins to turn inside out, with new hopes and dreams of one day being able to create synthetic magic. And by the end of this first issue, they've just about got it. Yeah, yeah, they had so what, close. Didn't didn't quite work, no. but coming close, coming really mm-hmm. close. Yeah, so it, so there's big things happening in the world. Absolutely, of a room. It's really exciting. I I, uh, I thought that the story was really interesting. It's always an interesting and I think challenging thing to do in issue one. You know, mm-hmm. because you have that first issue to really grab your audience, keep them interested, do some world building, character development. Like, it's a tricky thing. That first issue is complex. You have a little oh, more yeah. flexibility later on. I guess a few issues into the recent Hawkeye run, where the whole issue is from the perspective of a dog, yeah. comes to mind, where it's like, 
they've got their audience by the balls then, and they're like, let's do an episode by the dog. Like, <laughs> let's do that. That sounds like fun. And everybody just rolls with it, right? Yeah. But if you started something like that, you couldn't, you know? And so yeah. you're a little bit more creatively stifled in that first issue because you have to get across those basic things. Mm-hmm. And I think Tyrone did a really excellent job getting me introduced to the characters and the world, some of the culture of the world even, some of the interactions between the races, some very clear distinctions between class and race, mm-hmm. some racism going on, you know, a little information about the structure of power in the world politically, and some of the, even even spun in some of the traditions of the world, some of the, yeah. you know, sort of more arcane traditions surrounding these gods called the new. Yeah. And even a bit of good character development. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. By the end of the first issue, I really felt like I had a pretty good grip on at least the personalities, if not all the fine details, about our two main characters. Yeah. I didn't and end. even that of uh, Dr. Moreau. I think was Monroe. Right? Monroe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kept wanting to say Dr. Moreau. I know. <laughs> but you know even that of like the king and his steward yeah yeah it was very clear how they were supposed to come across and, absolutely i yeah. i got a huge kick out of the way the king was acting yeah like he seemed like a sort of jovial chilled back really cool guy but still commanded mm-hmm. a substantial amount of power yeah and respect and authority yeah although i do feel like the vizier was sort of pushing him around a little bit you know I, like, I noticed the vizier that is, like, too. so busy being like, but our rules say this, you know? Yeah, and the king's like, all right, yeah, okay, you're right. I, I kept feeling like, okay, Jafar, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he even has the little goatee thing going yeah, on. It's like he, totally a hat. reference to that guy. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? What a punk, man. I don't even know what that's about. It's uh, ridiculous. I hope he gets his ass kicked. I think so. Well, he definitely got soaked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we always do, why don't we go ahead and start with the story? We've already gotten into it a little bit. So, yeah. what did you think of the story, Joe? Story's good. It starts on an action beat, which is not always the best idea because you don't want to, you know, throw your readers into, oh, this is just an action comic. It's kind of an odd vertical slice to start sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it can feel jarring, but yeah. it did. I think it went well. Yeah, it was an action beat that actually had a lot of plot relevance once you hit the, what, sixth page? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like once you actually... I mean, it manages to introduce both the first characters, manages to tie into what they're about to do, which is a huge part of the story and a yeah. huge part of their characters and how the characters interact, mm-hmm. their relationship with each other, the, the way the world works all together. I mean, they're definitely yeah. sort of at the center of things in this kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the way that... Basically, we've got Aiden, the alchemist, right? Mm -hmm. So he's out hunting this beast that has what they call magic, right? Which Mm -hmm. seems more like, you know, a sort of like a dragon's breath kind of thing going on, right? Where he's got sort of this like, you know, an accelerant in his mouth or in a gland or something. It's like the saliva or something. Right. And then he has some kind of a flint thing going on where he Mm -hmm. can snap it. And so basically he's able to shoot fire, which comes in handy when he's being attacked. But so he's basically, Aiden is out looking for alchemical elements to help with this presentation they're about to give to the king to show that what they're up to is worth continuing to support. Because mm-hmm. it seems like these guys, uh, the two main characters, they're, they're part of the race of, I think, what's called ferals, mm-hmm. where they have, they like, look basically like humans, except they have yeah, the horns, right? Yeah. And they're definitely second-class citizens. Yeah. And they've been allowed to be inside the main gates of the city and interact with, I guess, the higher society there mm-hmm. that doesn't have horns and doesn't treat them very well, but they actually have a little alchemical shop and are being supported by the king and his finances and stuff to try and prove to these gods the new during this festival, which seems like an opportunity for them to communicate that they're worthy of another year's blessing or another, I guess, an extension upon the blessing that the land enjoys. I can definitely see 
a point of conflict there. If the gods are what grant them the magic and they make their own magic. Yeah, they make artificial magic. Right? Yeah. I can see how the gods will probably go the opposite direction. No, 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 don't do that. No. A thousand I, years of fire. Yeah. it's. <laughs> yeah. I think that I get the distinct impression that there could be a bit of a power shift or a power struggle and that maybe these gods, these new aren't actually gods, but people that just have a greater deal of technology. There's definitely a lot of good foreshadowing here of potential story arcs. and Well, especially because right in the About Us page, there's mention of these gods actually having a physical location. Yeah. You know, instead of them just being gods and floating around in god space, mm-hmm. you know, but they actually have a place. Yeah. You know? And so that perhaps they're more like Asgard type gods where yeah, they that's kind of what are I was immortal or maybe just more long lived mm-hmm. and they have magic or just advanced technology and they are in heaven or just another place. <laughs> you know, it, it seems like that might be more in alignment with what's really going on. Yeah. I'm almost positive we're going to run into an issue where the alchemists are talking to God. It could very well be happening soon here, yeah. And there's definitely, I think, a reluctance to allow Aiden and Monroe to find success in their new project. Because I think that everybody's concerned, or at least the vizier is concerned, Mm -hmm. that it could threaten the current power structure, which he's very much invested in, it seems. Well, yeah, he's number two. Number two. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, It's interesting. I guess... That's the beauty of this first issue, and that's why Tyrone, I think, is is very successful as a writer, yeah. is that it leaves us going like, but what if this, and what if yeah. that, and what's going on, and I wonder what happens next, and how does this work, and how does that work? It's yeah. like, it leaves us curious, which is brilliant. Yeah. Well, no, we, you know, for rougher comics, we say it has a lot of potential. This one has a different kind of potential. Like, it's really solid, and now it can go anywhere. Yeah. Very, yeah, it's, it's totally exciting. I'm completely yeah. excited. Yeah, Can't wait to really see how everything rolls out and yeah. where things go. It's What's his cool. uh, release schedule on this one? Mm-hmm. Weekly? I want to say weekly. Let's see. Yes, it is. It's uh, every Friday it comes out. Okay, good. Yeah. Which is great because I want to know what happens next. <laughs> yeah. Now, it being that the first issue is just finished, it, we might have to wait a little while before the next issue starts coming up. That's possible. Oh, don't do that. I know. But, you know, hey. Oh, yeah. We, if anybody should have compassion for the, the time that it takes to create comics, it's it should us. be us. Yeah, but. But I want more now. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what does Pinku say? She says something like, don't make your audience suffer because. Something it's essentially she says something like, you know, your audience doesn't give a shit. Your audience yeah. doesn't understand or know and is never gonna get, you know, or have compassion for how long it takes to do <laughs> things. So you can't make them suffer just because of that. But oh. obviously. Anyway, we're totally getting off off subject here. And uh, you know, I honestly don't know whether or not they're coming out regularly right now. But I'm sure they will be coming back soon because it seems like it's getting a bit of a good following and I myself am for sure gonna continue to read this comic when it comes out and continues to go. Yeah, it's going on my list. Totally. Totally, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we take a quick musical break when we get back? We'll get into talking about the art of Elements of Light by Tyrone Selby. You're listening to Geek Live. Stick with us.
Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. We are talking about Elements of Light, an excellent new comic by Tyrone Selby. But before we get back to talking about the art specifically of Elements of Light, I wanted to recommend a book for you guys on Audible. The Geek Life podcast is sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife to get your free audiobook download and enjoy one month free of their excellent service. Access to over 100,000 amazing books available on all kinds of different devices. Several of us subscribe to this excellent service and we do genuinely enjoy it. And actually, my good friend Dustin recommended this book to me and I just started listening to it the other day and am sucked in. It's so good. What you got? Okay, it is part of the the Lost Fleet series, and it is the first book called Dauntless by Jack Campbell, narrated by Christian Rommel. So essentially, the Lost Fleet series follows John Blackjack Geary. Now, Blackjack Geary, or John Geary, is a, at this point in time in the story, a legendary captain in the Alliance fleet. His exploits are known to every schoolchild. Revered for his heroic last stand, in the early days of the war, he was presumed dead. But a century later, Geary miraculously returns from survival hibernation and reluctantly takes command of the Alliance fleet as it faces annihilation by the syndics. It's really fascinating because it's kind of this man-out-of-time thing, where mm-hmm. basically he was just a soldier in a war, fighting for his people, following orders, trying to do the best he can in terrible situations. And essentially, he ends up having to kind of be like the last man standing holding you know like go down with his ship sort of Mm -hmm. heroics that saved a bunch of people and was presumed dead and basically the government and the alliance has used his story to just sort of fuel the fire Ah. so it turns out that you know it wasn't exactly of course the way that it was described and he's been Mm -hmm. elevated to this legendary hero status and as far as he's concerned he basically almost died jettisoned out in an escape pod and has been in survival hibernation for almost a hundred years and is picked up by this fleet as they're going deep into syndic space, which is the opposite side, the antagonists in the story. And they are about to make this really brave attempt to try and destroy the syndics deep in their home territory. I don't want to give away too much of the story, but essentially they found a new technology that allows them to basically do like a hyper jump kind of thing that is much more powerful and faster than what they've had access to before. Mm. And... They get out there and basically very quickly get double-crossed by the spy that helped them get that information and that technology from the syndics. And so pretty much right away after he, after John gets saved and everybody's all this hero worship and he's like, what what are you talking about? Like to the point where he's such a hero, such a legendary figure that he's part of their vernacular. People say like things like, even Black Jack Geary couldn't do this, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, it's like part of their regular conversational mm. language. He's that level. Anyway, so he he basically gets put in charge of this fleet temporarily while the uh, the leaders of the fleet go to try and parlay. And they all get murdered. I mean, I'm not giving anything away. This happens in like the first chapter. Okay? <laughs> and so basically he's left as the highest ranking officer for the entire fleet of ships that are 100 years in the future that he doesn't really understand Mm -hmm. but his battle strategy and his training is so excellent because during this hundred year war they've been so run ragged that the training is accelerated and fast and the ships are made 
kind of swiftly and without care for detail and just get pushed out because people keep dying and people keep mm -hmm. fighting. And it becomes such a long endurance race of a war that they don't even salute anymore. They just I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. become this weird non-military kind of organization that is military hmm. where the leaders are more political and he gives an order and everybody's like, well, it's, it's traditional to, to have conversation about it and agree upon it. He's like, no, I gave you an order. Go do it. You know, <laughs> it's like, so he has a completely different perspective, but he's also like easily the most well and highly trained person in the entire fleet at this point. You know, it's almost like idiocracy <laughs> where he's like an average Joe, but then gets teleported to the or gets like frozen forever. And it uh -huh. wakes up in a future where everybody is considerably more incompetent than he is. And all of a sudden he's the smartest man on the planet. That's a great movie, by the way, if you haven't that seen is that. Good. Anyway, so not exactly, of course, like that, but it's a similar yeah. sort of idea where his training was made at a time where the the available training and the the alliance was really at its peak as far as. The kind of training that was available, as far as the kind of strategy that was available, they were much more rigid, much more militaristic. And now they've just run so ragged that it's almost like the Rebel Alliance or something. It's just kind of like barely holding together, it seems. Mm -hmm. And so he comes in and gives them some much needed hope because he's this legendary figure. But at the same time, he's like, no, nobody can live up to that kind of shit. Mm. So it's just a really interesting story. I'm really excited about finding out where it goes with John Blackjack Geary's story. And How many books in the series? So several. Far? Like lots. So it's oh, a long-running yeah. series. And uh, and the books aren't super long on Audible. I want to say they're maybe a little over 10 hours, you know? Yeah. But they're great. I'm really enjoying it. Chris Rumel, the reader, is excellent. I'm just having a great time with it. So I definitely highly recommend that you guys check out the first book of the Lost Fleet series, Dauntless, by Jack Campbell, narrated by Christian Rumel. Very good book. Really interesting. And according to our good friend Dustin, continues to be great. That's what I'm always scared of, getting into the sci-fi series. <laughs> I know, right? They seem to go on forever. Forever. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of not as bad. You get a free book every month. That's true. You know, we're not a free book, but you know what I mean? You get a credit every month and you can just yeah. keep on trucking. Yeah. Yeah, they're even worse than the fantasy series. <laughs> Fantasies are always trilogies. Right. But sci-fi sci books, books just go and go. go and go. It's actually really interesting because Jack Campbell was actually in the military, and so he actually has some really good experience that explains a lot yeah and so the battles have this really interesting element where he talks about for example he talks a lot about the how long it takes for communication to ship around you know so they're you know several light seconds away or light minutes away or whatever from these different ships and so he talks about what he's seeing on the viewport happened a minute ago you know mm. like this really interesting stuff or goes back and forth he's trying to stall and he has to call back and forth between the leader of the other ship and they have to wait three minutes for the call to come back and forth. You know, and it's just an interesting thing because normally when we think space combat, we think everybody's right here. They just do it right now. It all happens right now. Mm -hmm. But really, that's not how it works in space because space is so spread out and huge and you're going to be far away from each other, you know. So it's yeah. very interesting. It's a very cool story. It has this a very good eye for detail when it comes to the strategy. You can, you can picture the battles really clearly in your mind. It's very cool. Anyway, so again, the suggestion is The Lost Fleet Dauntless by Jack Campbell. You can pick that up on Audible today for free. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life. You can pick up that book for free. And that is our recommendation for this week. Now back to Elements of Light, talking about the art now, which was amazing. Really, really slick. Super, super high level. Really reminded me of uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely a lot had of a little bit of Avatar to it. feel. A Especially little bit more... A little bit more sort of manga style, a little bit more yeah. sort of anime style. You know, aside from the doctor with the really high up thong underwear. <laughs> but yeah, it had That's the, all right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> it works for me too. Yeah. But no, it's, it's lovely. That, it's lovely. Yeah. Just a little bit of like chibi inspired stuff. Sure. Sure. The doctor freaking out with the giant head thing. Yeah. It was cool. It, it definitely has a heavy influence from anime. I wanted to say manga, but not really. It really feel, I mean, yes, there's, first of all, let me just say, this is a really, really well-drawn comic. Yes. I mean, from, you know, Gus to Nuts, you've got from the layout, from the palette, from the art, from the special effects, from the lettering, it's like really, really well-made. Yeah. Like really professional. But it's interesting because a lot of the time when you see people paying homage to the Japanese comics style, it's more based on the comics. But this looks much more like, like anime. Right. It has, you know, because obviously it's in full color, all this extra detail. It has this sort of almost shiny sort of sheen to it. Yeah. Right. Whereas, you know, Japanese comics, typically black and white screen tones, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, more hatch marks and it's just different. Mm-hmm. So this has a very, you know, very polished feel yeah. to it, very anime sort of feel yeah. to it, you know, which is oh, like really if cool. you've ever seen a manga based on an anime. Sure, sure, sure. Like it looks like it's screenshots. Yeah, 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 exactly. And this is definitely what that looks like. Yeah, it's amazing. Sometimes when we've talked previously about independent comics, you get independent comics that are at an amateur level and then independent comics that are at a professional level. And that's the beauty of independent comics is that typically you get everything. You get everything. There's a big fat range, right? Mm-hmm. Professional comics in theory should just be professional comics, you know, but independent comics can be kind of all over the place, you know, quality wise. And this one is top notch, top notch artistically and the writing, everything. So it's crazy to see that. I, you know, when, when we get a recommendation or I'm, you know, thumbing through trying to find something good to talk about on the podcast, you never know what you're going to get. And you have this sort of expectation of this kind of range. Mm -hmm. And this one, I opened it up and was like, what? Like it just exploded my brain at how like high quality the art was. Yeah. When I click the link, it goes automatically to the latest page. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that looks really slick. I'm sure it's been polished up. I hit the first button it all looks just what? like that. It's so good from the beginning. Like the yeah. second page has some of the, like the second page, because it's right in the middle of that action we were talking about earlier, yeah. right? The second page has some of the most impressive layout of the entire book. This incredible thing. This It's almost like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's crazy. There's all these different panels that are sort of spread out, sort of circulating around the center spot. Yeah. It's just so slick. It's just, I mean, it's complex, really well made, yeah. but not not difficult to understand. Complex, Complex in its structure and layout but super easy to read and really communicates well what they're trying to say and the action it just feels like it's fast and dynamic and exciting it's just so good yeah the zong brothers are on top of unbelievable unbelievable artists on top of it i really want to see more of their stuff this is just amazing i'm looking for i mean i'm really looking forward to more and more of the comic for so many reasons yeah one problem though Hmm. this is my usual problem (laughs) in any comic that has a bow and arrow in it (laughs) oh no Aiden's bow, not recurved. No? No, that thing would get maybe 20 yards and then bounce off of that that dragon thing. <laughs> it wouldn't have gone thunk into it? No. it. Even Monroe's crossbow, mm-hmm. that had a bit of recurve to it. It was going to get some punch. But it, his bow wouldn't have had it that cool... It drives you crazy, doesn't it? It, it really does. <laughs> like seeing that uh, compound bow in the Boston Metaphysical Society. Right. I, I get steampunk, but things weren't invented until the 60s. <laughs> Joe is our resident archer and also archer snob. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. It's okay, though. I mean, it's good. It's good. Like, it's fun to have people with so many different different level, different areas of expertise that you can bring that to the table. Mm. I can only imagine how hard it is. Like, it is difficult to have 
your vision come to life and at the same time be perfectly accurate with everything. Oh, know? yeah. Especially if it's as grand as Elements of Light is, because it's, it's a grand comic. It really Definitely. is. Even the building architecture was good. Dude, right? And that, speaking of the dragon type guy that they were fighting in the beginning, the mm. creature design is cool, right? That was actually very it's impressive. really excellent. Yeah, it had this, the, the creatures had this very emotive sort of look to them. Yeah. You know, they didn't look, because you know, sometimes when you see creatures in comics, they have a super realistic look to them and they have that sort of just beady black eyes animal look to them and they don't really feel like they can emote anything. Mm-hmm. And so it adds a level of kind of harshness to the comics, you know, where the mm. animals are just these like brainless monsters, right? Whereas this, definitely the animals are really neat and the monsters have a really cool look to them, but they have this sort of emotive look to them where they can, you know, make the comic, I guess they can communicate more during the middle of combat or yeah. elsewise, you know? And I think that was really cool. And it's a sort of a nice, well-balanced mix of having very believable sort of dinosaur-like creatures, but at the same time, having them drawn in such a way that they feel like you can see them and you could, you could in theory, you know, do some comedy with them. Or you mm-hmm. could, in theory, have them be, like, even more scary than they normally look. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's... Oh, the thing went from pissed off to fucking crazy. <laughs> exactly. I just love the design, you know, all the way from that dragon in the beginning, all the way to the kind of, like, the chocobo type thing that... I was going to mention was riding, chocobo. Which was completely great. And his big, uh, like, green dog. Right. Yeah. I definitely get the feeling that Tyrone is a is a fan of the uh, John Carter of Mars books a little bit. Oh, yeah. It seems like a little bit of an influence going on there. Yeah. Speaking of design, I thought that the way that the clothes were done was really interesting. Definitely a lot of influences yeah. from different cultures, but it wasn't like, oh, that's that. Like, it wasn't mm. a recognizable, oh, that's particular this particular type of clothing, but it has influences. And so it's cool because it allows for those clothes to seem like they fit in that world. Yeah. And not be transposed from something. You know, speaking of like you were talking about Avatar, there's a lot of stuff. It's like, oh, that's those are Chinese clothes or those. Mm -hmm. That's something that you would see like a Tibetan monk wear. You know, it's like it was very distinctly something from our world in another world, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is so neat about this is that it has clothes that are sort of reminiscent of things that we recognize, but they're not Mm -hmm. exactly the same. And so they all fit in this world. And it's just part of this tapestry that Tyrone's building for the world to be really fully realized. Yeah. Between the clothes and the architecture, there's... A lot of Persian influence. Oh, yeah. But nothing you would say like, oh, yeah, that's that's just a blatant ripoff of Aladdin. Right, right, exactly. You know, were someone to, you know, hold me down at gunpoint and ask me to make some kind of a critical observation about mm-hmm. the art, uh, the only thing that I could possibly come up with is that it, it uh, looked so polished. It was almost yeah. too perfect. It has this almost, you know, it has, I mean, it was so obvious that it was computer designed and it was almost yeah. distracting at times, you know, for something that's so obviously reminiscent and reverent, maybe of the Japanese anime style, uh, it looks more like anime than comics. And I think that's interesting because normally, like, again, it has much more of like a polished sort of like animated look instead of a comic book look. Yeah. And, you know, it's neat, I guess, but I do have some sort of mixed feelings about that. Because it does make it look like screenshots. Yeah, it's it's undeniably gorgeous, but it's almost overproduced and, and looks maybe a little odd to my eye to have something that's so incredibly clean and crisp in comic mm-hmm. book form. Yeah. With, you know, even some computer effects thrown in for good measure, you know, some some texture, some lens flare, some gradients, some light fades that just are things you wouldn't really see be that perfect, you know? Yeah. So it's like... 
again, this is like we're talking super nitpicky, but I'm trying to be <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to give a full vision of what this comic is to us. Yeah, you know, yeah. so, you know, we, we challenge ourselves to try and find something good to say and try and find something that we can make a critical observation about. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is totally nitpicky, but. That's like the only thing I th- it's like the only thing I like don't like about this comic is it's too damn perfect. <laughs> it pisses me off. No. <laughs> but it, it does. It does tread into that almost kind of plasticky, shiny, perfect look. Yeah. And again, again, like I said, this is something if you know, were someone to demand that I find something that I didn't like. Not that it's a real complaint. I am, I am really blown away by the technical skill and quality of this comic. It's just at such a high professional level. And, you know, the website was easy to navigate. It was really good, you know, for the most part. I mean, a little simple, a little simple, which is fine. But uh, by and large, yeah, the website reads well. It's really easy to understand. It did seem like the image optimization on a picture or two was a little aggressive. You know, and the picture I'm thinking of in particular is the one where they're walking through the front gates into the city. Yeah. It was a little bit artifacted. And I I actually looked at how large that picture was, and it wasn't even 200 kilobytes yet. So it's kind of like. You could probably raise it up a little bit. And even if it took a little longer to read, like I'd be willing to shed to to pay a couple extra milliseconds as a viewer to see yeah. something that's so beautiful rendered in a little bit higher fidelity. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's supposed to be like a two page spread type totally, deal. Totally. And could have rendered it a little higher res. Definitely. Definitely. But that I mean, <laughs> the, the, for these to be the only things we can possibly go, oh, you know, I wish they would have done it this different. Like yeah. that's pretty damn amazing. Yeah. Really. This is worth a read. Oh, my God. It's so worth a read. This is the sort of thing that's got to be just absolutely full of all kinds of cool print opportunities. The oh, character yeah. design is great. I, you know, and speaking of the computer stuff, I was saying that uh, earlier, the they did use some textures here and there, but the textures were so magnificently put in, so subtle. Oh, yeah. You know, it's on like stonework or, or, or metal yeah. or sand, and it fit. It's where it's supposed to be. Instead of texture on everything just because, it was like texture where there's texture. Yeah, You know, like that worked really well, I thought. And like you said earlier, I think the rubbery sort of cartoony faces where people were really surprised or really angry. Yeah. You know, you got this sort of like super deformed chibi look, which worked really mm-hmm. well. Took it out, took it from being like way too serious. Like you see a lot of the fantasy online comics. Yet. Sure, sure, sure. And then, of course, there was the wet T-shirt moment, which was oh, yeah, always great. Always good. Hmm. It was when there was water. It was, it's funny because <laughs> basically there ends up being a point where there's just like this like explosion of water everywhere. And... That didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> but then as Monroe, the girl, is like flying through the, you know, past the camera and they do this whole shot of her like on the ground all covered in water and her shirt's all clinging to her boobs. It's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's you know, total, total fan service, but yeah, I, I'm a fan. I enjoyed it. There you go. <laughs> Target audience. Target, Target audience. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> it's just such a great comic. There's so many things to appreciate from it. Yeah. artistically writing wise like i'm curious what comes next i yeah. like the characters i you know can feel myself desiring to know more about the world like would love to sit down and just you know pick tyrone's brain about his you know the, the world creation process yeah. it's impressive it's impressive because you think as a writer sometimes you think hey maybe i'll you know i'll do something and it'll be set in the 50s but then all of a sudden you have to do all this research about the 50s yeah you know but then you think it's like screw that i'm just gonna make my own world and it's like even worse because then you have to make everything (laughs) you know you can't just look it up you have to come up with it and it has to work so this is a very fully realized world very good Mm -hmm. tapestry to tell a good story on so any other thoughts at only uh 25 pages in you Dude, dear listeners can get in on the ground floor of this can, new world you can it, it you know just take a little bit of time to get in there and really appreciate it it's great and speaking of which if you'd like to read elements of light which you totally should 
You can go to eolcomic.com and check out check out Elements of Light today. Mm-hmm. I should have said that at the beginning so you could read with us, but Bye. too bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so make sure to go to eolcomic.com and check out Elements of Light. Really enjoyed reading the comic, Tyrone. Thank you so much for getting a hold of us and letting us know about the comic. And again, you know, poking me when you had it ready for the whole first issue. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just a great, just a great comic. Really enjoyed it a lot. Anything, any final thoughts, Joe? Yay. Yay. Yes. I'm really liking the ones that are getting sent to us. Dude, that's the best, right? Yeah. You got to be doing something right when people actually seek you out. Like, that's pretty yeah. great. You're going to have to put up a submission page on the website. We really do need to do that. Kind of reminds me of that first time that we met somebody at a convention that actually listens to the podcast. Oh, yeah. I about broke in half. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> the funny thing was is that we were at, we were interviewing somebody and... He heard my little, hey, this is JP from Pandamanga.com spiel. Yeah. And he's like, I know that voice. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, that was so cool. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at Pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. That is how Tyrone got a hold of me. If you have a comment <laughs> you would like us to check out, this is where you go. Again, that's contact.pandamanga.com. Complete the form located there. Send us your info, your comics, your questions, your concerns, all that good stuff, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recording, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is John. And Joe. We'll see you next time. Bye.